Psalm 93. A simple and short psalm in which the Lord is exalted and praised for His sovereign might and His majesty and strength and His eternal and everlasting nature. And the floods and waters that are described here are not literal waters, but they are the oceans of mankind that lift up their waves and noise against the Most High, and He shall silence them forever in a day coming soon. And then we have in the final verse a statement about the sureness of God's testimonies. They are very sure. And holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Holiness is the decorating beauty of the house of God. Holiness is what makes God beautiful. And holiness is necessary for our worship to be acceptable to Him. It becomes His house. It makes the worship of God, the public worship of God, a beautiful thing. Let's all rise together and read in unison Psalm 93. Together. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith He hath girded Himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated. It was just a few months ago that we considered this psalm in light of God's dominion. Because we have in the first three words, the Lord reigneth. And that's one of the most comforting short sentences that we know. The Lord reigneth. There's nothing that we meet with personally in life... There's nothing that we can read about in the political affairs of nations in the world that we cannot answer with, the Lord reigneth. He's in charge. He's on His throne. There's not a thing out of, outside of His knowledge or His might. Amen. The Lord reigneth. It goes on to say that He's clothed with majesty, and the glory of the Lord is a light that is so brilliant no man can approach unto it, we're told in Paul's letters to Timothy. And it says the Lord is clothed with strength. Not only is He clothed with majesty, but strength. He has all power. We call that omnipotence. All power and strength to do all that He chooses to do. But it says, wherewith He hath girded Himself. I am that I am. The Lord has girded Himself with strength. His strength is not derived from any other source. Our strength is so dependent upon other sources. It's dependent upon our parents. It's dependent upon God. It's dependent upon eating. It's dependent upon exercise. He girded Himself with strength. I am that I am. And He's established a world that cannot be moved until He moves it. You can't move it. They're constantly telling us about uh, little events that might alter the earth, you know, by a quarter of a second in its rotation. And we just smile. 
They can't do a thing. They can make as big of bombs as they want. They're little tiny firecrackers in the sight of God and compared to His power and might. We put our trust in Him entirely. Verse 2 describes His eternal nature. Thy throne is established of old. How old? Thou art from everlasting. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's our eternal refuge. And under His wings is our eternal protection. And underneath are His everlasting arms. So we are eternally safe. And so we put our trust in Him. Verses 3 and 4 describe waves, floods, waters, mighty waves, loud waves, noisy waves. And as is common in David's Psalms, he's speaking of the chatter and voices and crying and opposition of men. We trust in a God that is not moved at all by all their machinations and ideas and speakings against Him. He is in charge of all of them. It goes to verse 5 and says, Thy testimonies are very sure. There's one thing you can count on in the world, and that's God's Word. And you can count on every word of it. Thy testimonies are very sure. We like that word sure because our brother Peter told us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 that in the Scriptures, the inspired Scriptures, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And remember, we have the words there, more sure word of prophecy, because in the preceding three verses, Peter had described hearing God's voice from heaven in the presence of Moses and Elijah. But what you hold in your hands is more sure than you telling us that you've heard a voice from heaven. You tell us you've heard a voice from heaven, we're either going to lock you up or accuse you of hearing Not the voice of God, but the voice of someone else who wants to be an angel of light and appear to be a minister of righteousness. You can't prove a thing to us that you heard. It doesn't matter whether it's Benny Hinn, Billy Graham, or you. If you come and tell us that you've heard a voice from heaven, we don't care. You can't prove it. You can't remember it. Your mind's too fallible. Your memory's too weak. So all the voices that men hear and all the dreams they think they've dreamed... How do you know they even remember the dream? There's no way to verify a single aspect of it, and none of it means a thing to us. None of it. Peter did not have a dream. Peter did not have a vision. Peter stood with the Lord Jesus Christ, James and John, and saw Jesus Christ glorified in the presence of Elijah and Moses, and he heard God's voice thunder from heaven. And yet he said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. Right here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is any private interpretation. And so when we look at these words, thy testimonies are very sure. We rest our hope. We rest our lives. We rest our eternal destiny on the promises of God's Word. We will scoff at death. We will mock the grave because of what the Bible tells us. We will not fear any conspiracy of men, no political efforts of men, nor the nations mounting up against us because of God's promises that He'll take care of us because they're very sure. Then it says, Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. When we say to a woman that dress is very becoming, 
It means it adds great luster and attractiveness to her. And when we read the words, Holiness becometh thine house, it adds luster and attractiveness and beauty to the worship of God because He is holy. In the Psalms, we have the expression, Worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Now, many churches of the world build themselves fancy sanctuaries in an effort to worship in the holiness of beauty. Think about it for a second. The grand cathedrals of the world to take those poor little people and set them in there and have that vaulted ceiling so high above them it appeared that it didn't even have a ceiling. And to see all the gold and all the decoration, they thought they were close to heaven because all they could understand is the holiness of beauty. That isn't what the Bible teaches. Right. You know, our, our brothers and sisters of the New Testament worshipped in homes. They worshipped in caves. They worshipped in all sorts of places, but they worshipped in the beauty of holiness. Because their lives were holy, their prayers were holy, their marriages were holy, and they were worshiping a holy God, and that is beautiful. It does not matter where we worship. We could be in a barn with the smell of cow manure so rich in our nostrils that some of you would find it uncomfortable, and yet it could be done in the beauty of holiness. Because we would be worshiping God according to the Holy Scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. If there's one thing we want our church and our public worship to be known for, it is a holy form of worship. More than a friendly form of worship. More than an enthusiastic form of worship. We want to have a holy form of worship. We want to come in here and with a holy and reverent spirit worship God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We want to come in hating our sins and confessing them. We want to come in begging God for mercy. We want to come in begging for His presence, which He does not owe us and can only give us if we come with holy hands. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Let's keep beautifying our house, our church, by living holy lives. Because those are the only ones God will appear to, are those that are holy because He is holy. And He cannot, He cannot abide wickedness, profanity, worldliness, or carnality. He is seeking holy worshipers. And let's be those holy worshipers. It becomes the house of God forever. And I promise you in heaven that we will worship in a holy way with holy men and holy angels and holy beasts who will proclaim the thrice holy God forever, day and night, without rest. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Amen.